This is ESPN Radio. Not sure you will hear any of the voices that you just heard on the intro. I'm not sure you will see any of them anyways during the preseason, but you will see plenty of big names in preseason action, a bunch of preseason action again tonight as we are getting you ready for NFL season. Ian Fitzsimmons, Amber Wilson, you can watch us on ESPNU and ESPN2. You can listen to us on ESPN Radio, which is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's bring in some help with all things NFL. Dwight Freeney, Super Bowl champ, seven-time pro bowler, four-time all-pro. I'm not going to read the rest of your resume, Dwight, because it's too darn long, frankly. But, uh, Dwight, thanks so much for some of your time this morning. We were having a conversation about who should play in terms of starters in the preseason. And tonight it gets a little interesting because we're going to see some vets at some big positions like the Russell Wilsons of the world. Do you think that's a good move for those sorts of guys to play in the preseason? I think absolutely. I mean, I think get some reps where it's actually live, you know, bullets, quote unquote, flying in the air where you can actually get hit. You know, when you're playing during the regular, you know, preseason, I guess, in your training camp, you know, there's a five yard halo that's around you as a quarterback. You're very comfortable in that pocket. You know, you're never going to get hit or never going to get touched. Now, Russell obviously has a lot of experience. Sometimes it's good to kind of get the cobwebs off. And if if you do happen to get hit, hopefully not, you know what? It kind of breaks you in just a little bit. I remember for me in the preseason, I always kind of got dinged just a little bit in the preseason um, and every preseason, okay? And then when the regular season starts, for some reason, my body just gets acclimated to the to the physicality of what it's going to be, and I usually play the rest of the season pretty healthy. But on that note, you don't see a lot of guys getting their bodies calloused as much as they did when you played. If you had advice for any vested vet right now to do what you just mentioned, get your body acclimated, what, what would you tell them about playing in games like this, especially for dudes that are down in the trenches? Yeah, I, I think it's extremely important. You know, I, I think we play a violent game, okay? It's controlled violence, and there's a lot of banging and hitting, and your body gets into really awkward positions um, to where as though, you know, you can't really prepare for that. And, it's, and you can try to prepare for it a little bit in practice, but you know what? Those aren't live bullets. Those, that's not, you know, 100% real. So in the preseason, you do get an opportunity to kind of feel what it feels like again. And you have to kind of put your body through it. Now, there's levels to that. It doesn't mean you're playing 30, 40 snaps in the preseason. That's ridiculous. But you can get seven or eight, 10 to 15. Um, I think it could lead to your body getting used to that, and you can kind of knock that rust off that happens during the offseason. Super Bowl champ Dwight Freeney joining Ian Fitzsimmons and Amber Wilson here on ESPNU and ESPN Radio. Dwight, let's talk about your former team in the Indianapolis Colts. One of the biggest storylines right now for the Colts is Jonathan Taylor. He left training camp a holdout, although he's got an injury that he's milking, so maybe not an official holdout. We know that there is a contract dispute there. What do you make of the situation with JT? What should they be doing? Yeah, it's a tough situation for all parties. You know, I don't know if he's actually milking the injury or not, um, but they say he does have an ankle injury. Um, I don't really understand what he's actually thinking 
Jonathan, you know, because he's in a perfect situation. Now, maybe there's something, you know, that we're not privy to. Maybe there's some type of relationship conversation that happened that soured completely everything that's outside of just a contractual you know, situation. Um, but if I'm a running back in today's world where you're not getting paid a lot of money, I would love to stay with the organization who drafted me that loves me. And not only that, in a situation to where you have a rookie quarterback that they're going to have to run a lot of RPOs, all right, and a lot of run plays to protect that quarterback. So they're going to feature you as a running back. So you're going to get as many attempts, you know, reps, whatever you want to call it, uh, than you would probably get anywhere else, which means that your numbers are going to be bigger than most places. It's kind of, you know, I, I get it. You know, you, you want more money. And that's the only reason. I, we all we all gone through that as, as, you know, maybe the best player on the team or one of the best players on the team. You have great numbers, um, what have you. You want to kind of bang on the door and say, hey, I, it's time to renegotiate. But that's the only reason why uh, I, I'm very, I'll be very surprised. Dwight, you, you mentioned Anthony Richardson there, rookie quarterback for the Colts, only played in 13 games at Florida. When you were playing and you saw a rookie quarterback or maybe even a, a rookie left tackle across from you, what was going through your mind when you, when you saw rookie, rookie? Yeah, it will be like a – I don't Christmas. know, like a seven-course dinner, you know, <laughs> just like licking, licking my chops. You know, you salivate when you when you see something that you hadn't eaten in a while and you just start salivating before you get it. You know, that, that's kind of the feeling of when you have a veteran guy that's, you know, whatever, more on top of his game and you see a rookie out there because you understand the rookie doesn't know anything. He only has, you know, I mean, but a couple reps, maybe a couple of weeks as a pro, you know, and the pro game and the, and the college game is completely different. Um, so from a left tackle standpoint, you know, I really feel worse for him because he can't hide. I mean, he can double team. You can get, you know, if you get, you know, help from your guard or from your tight end or running back. Um, so I really feel bad for that guy. Cause obviously I, I get to go against him, literally go against him. But the quarterback, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I just hope that, the you know, I guess they protect him. And what I mean by that is not just the offensive line around him from a schematic scheme standpoint. You know, don't put him in situations to where he's, oh, he has to overthink. You know, you're going to have to try to play catch-up from an experience standpoint and figure out things where his eyes really get used to seeing certain things so the ball comes out a lot quicker. Um, so hopefully that's the formula for them. Dwight Freeney, Super Bowl champ, joining us. So you mentioned it there. I mean, the Colts obviously supposed to have a rookie quarterback. We don't know, though, if he's the starter for day one. Since he has to adjust to all of those things in Anthony Richardson that you just mentioned, do you think they should start AR week one of the NFL season, or should it be Gardner? Well, I, I think Anthony should be the guy. Um, I think, like I think I said, his experience, you know, it, it kind of it means everything in this league. You know, and, and I get it. Sometimes you don't want to put those quarterbacks out there early. You know, you have the Aaron Rodgers example. You have the Tom Brady, I guess, example. 
to where as though you're you're sitting watching in the beginning, trying to learn and soak up. I think those guys are different quarterbacks, though. I think when you're a pocket passer and you're a guy who have to really analyze that, I guess the the coverage to an abundance where it's thirty, forty passes a game. It might, you know, it might lead lead to maybe sitting back and, and kind of, you know, watching a little bit and getting an opportunity to kind of, you know, learn from the guy in front of you. But when you're a guy like AR, where it's an RPO, you know, you're reading the defensive end or linebacker, that's going to be familiar, you know, grounds that you just went through in Florida, all right? So now it's not going to be that much but you're going to have to know some coverage stuff because the NFL, they're going to switch things up. Defensive coordinators are going to switch things up and it's not going to be that easy for you. But I think from a learning curve standpoint, a guy like him will be quicker to adjust than just a pocket passer. Well, the best to ever do it. Dwight Freeney, Super Bowl champion from the Colts, joining us here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU with Amber Wilson on me and Fitzsimmons. And, and Dwight, I'll never forget talking to you when you were coming out of Syracuse, getting ready for the draft. And we posed the question to you, what is your dream hit on a quarterback? And I've never forgotten your answer. Do you remember what you told me? I, you know what? Good quite you. I definitely don't. All right, um, but I—it's violent. I, okay. It's very violent. Yes. You, you said the quarterback <laughs> yes. is rolling away from me. He gets flushed back. The moment he turns around, the ball's against his chest, and I hit him so hard the ball pops. Yeah. And I went, "Oh, yeah. I've never yeah. forgotten it." Where does that? How do you transit? Because you're the mild man. People listening right now going, "That guy said that. That was his answer." <laughs> How much do you change as a person, the great ones, from mild-mannered Dwight Freeney to I'm going to hit a dude so hard the ball pops? Well, I I think, you know, to play defensive line or, you know, defense really, but really the outside linebacker defensive line, you got to have a little something that kind of goes off in your brain. <laughs> Let's just call it. Because you got you to be a little crazy, right? Just just a little bit. Not not extremely, but just a little bit to where as though, you know, you have to, to have a certain mentality. And for me, you know, it was that mentality, you know, every snap to where as though there's a bomb that I needed to defuse. And if I didn't get to that bomb by three seconds or less, the world's going to end type of mentality so it was running like my hair was on fire type of mentality so for me um yeah it was do what i needed to do you know get to the quarterback and hit him as absolutely hard as i could and if the ball happens to separate then it separates from him you know but (laughs) it's not it's it's not a a you know a soft game this is a this is a violent game and you hit every other player as hard as you possibly can. Now, obviously, hitting the quarterback now as hard as you possibly can, you probably get flagged somehow, um, some way, even if it's a legal hit. All right? So don't get me started on that. We'll be on, on the air for another 30 minutes talking about that stuff. But in the end, yeah, that's the kind of mentality that you kind of have to have in a way. You know, I'm not saying I want to hurt the guy. You know, I just want to hit you as hard as I can because it, it took a lot to get here. It's a Hall of Fame type career. And maybe the best thing that happened to you, Dwight, is not having questionable coaching early in your career like you had at one point with the Colts and then later in your career with the Lions, some dude named Fitzsimmons on your coaching staff, not once but twice. 
How hard was that to overcome? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I know this. Uh, you just you want to have you know as consistent coaching staff and people that you are familiar with as much as long as possible. <laughs> All right, so the longer longer you see people, the more they get used to you. You get used to them. Nice, nice job not taking the shot at the brother. I teed you up right there to take a shot at Fitz. You didn't do it. I'm surprised. I really wanted you to, though, Dwight. I really did. Just throwing your own brother under oh, the bus. No, he's Hell my yes. guy, man. He's my guy. He's a great guy. <laughs> well, Dwight Freeney, Super Bowl champ. Thanks so much, Dwight, for spending some time with the other Fitzsimmons this morning. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com this is espn radio hi Aaron rogers not sure i've said his name in the last three minutes and 45 seconds so the alarms were going off here at espn we've got to talk about him but i don't want to just talk about aaron Rodgers, ian fitzsimmons i want to talk about patrick mahomes i want to talk about lamar jackson Because Rodgers, Mahomes, Jackson, all guys who have won MVPs in their career. Could any of them do it again this season? A tall task for Mahomes. Back-to-back. We've seen Rodgers do the back-to-back thing. Back-to-back ain't easy, right? But all of these guys, certainly contenders for the award every season, it feels like. Yeah, and if if I had to take one of those names and you're not going to give me the field, it's Patrick Mahomes. We've seen two guys in the last decade and a half win back-to-back MVPs in the NFL. Peyton Manning in 08-09, and just a couple of years ago, Aaron Rodgers. So it has happened more often than most people would think. And if one guy is going to do it again, to me, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes. But you're gonna get, if, if, if I'm able to take the field that has guys, even with the calf injury, we don't know how serious it truly is with Joe Burrow. The longer they don't tell us what it is, the more concerned I get for Joe Burrow and Bengals fans and that, and that Cincinnati football team. But if, I, if, you're, if I'm allowed to take the field every time and twice on a Sunday, I'm going to take everybody else. If I've got to go off of this list, to me, it's an easy answer, and it's Mahomes. On this list, Mahomes is, is obviously the easy answer, and, and coming off of this past season, Lamar is, I think, the bigger stretch here, not just because we haven't seen him do it since 2019, but also we haven't seen him stay healthy here the past couple seasons, so that's the question mark there. Aaron Rodgers is interesting to me because I feel like Aaron Rodgers will be very motivated this season. You just heard him there on the sound on the intro. If anybody says they don't care about the MVP, they're lying. Aaron's been transparent. He cares about the MVP. VP award. It's something he's done several, several times in his career. He cares about those sorts of things and he did it back to back, but that was, uh, you know, 
a couple seasons ago now as we enter this season anyways, and that was in a Green Bay Packers uniform. What would it look like if Aaron Rodgers was able to do that in this New York Jets uniform? To, to your point, Amber, remember when he's teeing off at the Celebrity uh, Pro-Am at Waste Management TPC in Scottsdale? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the starters announcing, you know, Super Bowl champion, blah, 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 you know, three-time MVP. And he stopped him. He goes, whoa, whoa. Because that four. night was four. the NFL award ceremony. And he, he goes, huh, four-time. I kept doing that to him, uh, too. I mean, Here. Uh, but you that's had to how much he cares about ago. it. And he yeah. hadn't even won his fourth yet. And he's telling the starter at a golf tournament in Scottsdale, uh, no, 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 it's going to be four. Low-key, that golf tournament. I don't know if you've ever been to it, Ian Fitzsimmons. That is one of the most fun events I have ever been to. Golf is is secondary. Uh, What is it? Is it the the 16th hole? Is that that uh, what it is? It is something. Yes, it is something. Was it 16? I think it was probably 16. Yeah, it was ridiculous. The party all over the place at Waste Management. I did it this past year in Arizona. Oh, my gosh. It was it was really, 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 really fun. Uh, so that's yeah. what I'll say about there, that. There's some but. tournaments that go to a whole other level. They're, they're, like I remember being in Columbus, Ohio, and my wife worked for HNS, Heinz Nicholas Sullivan, the, the golf event planning team for Jack Nicholas. And obviously, he that company runs the memorial. Jack actually had to shut down a beer barn between like holes seven and 12 or whatever, because nobody was actually paying attention to, to the like Tiger Woods and in, in 01 could be walking behind you and nobody knew it. So they actually had to shut down a beer tent at Jack's tourney because they got too rowdy. Now that's JV compared to what I've heard about the waste management. Like that is nothing that that's, like you have they can't even sniff the varsity level of debauchery that is going on out in Scottsdale. You've seen it. I never have. I want to. You have no idea there's golf happening. I mean, that's how much (laughs) madness it is. You watch so little golf at the Waste Management Open if you have an opportunity to attend it in Scottsdale. And if you can afford it, get the fancy tickets. They're very, very well worth it. The things that get you into all the VIP areas. I mean, there's DJ spinning. It's dance parties. Like, it is the craziest, craziest golf tournament. Golf, golf, air quotes. Yes, but there's also some really good golf there uh, if you're interested to see the golfers golf. So that's what Aaron Rodgers said when he was part of that event. He cares about the MVP award. I think he will be so motivated this season to try to do it again for several reasons. To stick it to the Green Bay Packers, right? He's going to try to have his best season that he can have probably his entire career for the Jets. I don't know if he's still capable of that. That's a lot to ask for a quarterback who's going to be 40 years old, but at the same time, because of that age factor, I think it would be all the sweeter, right? We're always talking Aaron Rodgers. He's pushing 40 or he's 39. Is he falling off a little bit? Was that last season? I mean, we're only a year removed from a two-time back-to-back MVP, and yet we were talking about, oh, there, there it is. There's the age showing itself this past season. For all of those reasons, I feel like Aaron Rodgers will so desperately want to try to win this thing. I would not count him out of this thing this season. Uh, the, the only concern I have in a while ago, Mahomes over Rodgers, uh, it, it has nothing to do with age. It's the offensive line. The mm-hmm. offensive line in, in New York is a concern to me. And, but make no bones about it. This is Aaron Rodgers' football team. I was talking to a former New York Jet who was at practice the other day, and I guess they were going into a two-minute drill, and Aaron didn't get down-distance situation. Really didn't even know it was two-minute. So they were three and out, and I guess they're going over and having a conversation, and Aaron just now starts mother-ruin. Like, 
Why don't you let me know it's two minute? Why don't you give me the situation, down, distance, time, yard line, and maybe we can make some things happen. I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right? But he was very animated. And that this, this former Jet was like, that's when you know that's his football team. When you can get into a coach's grill and go, give me every single detail. That's how detail-oriented he is. That's how meticulous he is. And that's also another sign this is his football team. If you gave me the field over those three guys, I would take the field just by the numbers, but that's just a betting strategy, right? More than me believing in anybody in the field over those three guys. Joe Burrow certainly would be at that top of that list, but I do think that calf strain is a real concern because you and I both think it's more serious than they're letting on. Because if it was just a grade one, I feel like we would know that. I feel like they would have immediately come out and told us. Now, I don't know if it's a grade four. I don't know if he's missing, you know, multiple weeks of the regular season here, but that's a potential possibility. And if that's the case, it will be very hard for him to win an MVP award just in terms of, of availability. So there's that concern there. You know, maybe like a... A Trevor Lawrence? Could he take that next step this season? What about a running back? Who's the last running back to win MVP? Adrian Peterson? I guess. I mean, right? It has to be AP. Who's won it since? I... No, what and what Could running? Saquon, back. And they, can you and imagine? Derrick Henry didn't win it long ago. I mean, we went for over two thousand yards, and he didn't win an MVP. And he did not win it. Can you imagine though, in this running back climate, like maybe that's the least they can do in the NFL for these running backs? Maybe the running backs should get a little bit of an extra nod this season because of what's been made of that running back position, because of how upset those elite running backs are. For that conversation, if a running back was able to do it. Would it change the conversation? Because what's going to happen here is Saquon goes out. He wins an NFL MVP this season. Does all of a sudden he get paid to the degree he wants and gets an extension to the level he wants? I'm still thinking no, which would be insane. Maybe that part, possibly, if Saquon were to win an MVP, that's a huge (sighs) chip. But it's also just the wear and tear. Right. That's what they'll they'll be like, oh, you won the MVP, so now we can't pay you. Overall, (laughs) say that out loud and how crazy it sounds. Right. But – Maybe one guy, if you were to win an MVP, which we don't see happening anytime soon. If, if, if King Henry didn't get it done a few years ago, then mm-hmm. I, I don't see a running back winning MVP. We know a defensive player is not going to get it. The last guy to do that was Lawrence Taylor in 1986, as great as Micah Parsons. If Aaron Donald didn't win MVP, no, you, we won't see a defensive player win it again, maybe in my damn lifetime. But a running back, are they worthy? Yeah. And if one were to win it, does that change the landscape for running backs? No, it yeah. won't. Maybe for that individual running back, but not for all of them. I'm not even sure I'm convinced of that. Coming up next, Ian Fitzsimmons and Amber Wilson with you. Are fans in Ohio concerned about Joe Burrow's cap? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. 
See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is ESPN Radio. We've been talking a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals today. Part of our two-a-days here as we get you ready for the NFL season on ESPN Radio, which is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. And you can watch us on ESPNU, Amber Wilson and Ian Fitzsimmons. Let's go out to Cincinnati. Tony Pike, host of Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530, former NFL quarterback, joining us. And Tony, thanks so much for your time this morning. Obviously, the big story right now for the Bengals is the situation with Joe Burrow. What is the status? Do we know anything about that calf injury? I feel like they've been so quiet on it, no timetable. And both Ian and I feel like if it wasn't anything, if it was just a grade one, we would have heard more. Yeah, it's been very unique the way Zach Taylor has decided to handle this. He even came out on Wednesday and said, look, the timetable is the timetable that it was when I said it was a couple weeks. So there hasn't been any update from Zach Taylor. I will say Wednesday they held practices with the Green Bay Packers here in Cincinnati. And for the first time since the injury, Joe Burrow was on the field. He, uh, he was walking. He, he didn't have a noticeable limp. In fact, I, I would think if, if he didn't have the sleeve on, you wouldn't even know which side the calf strain was on. So I think this is one of those situations they're being extremely cautious with. They don't want it to leak into the season and, and have an impact there. Oddly enough, though, I, I think this impacts this team in, in many different ways. Joe Burrow has missed training camp time before. That's, that's nothing new for him, but they're implementing Orlando Brown Jr. on the offensive line. Jonah Williams is moving to right tackle. The running back situation is a little bit different, and it's a brand-new secondary that would benefit a lot during practices of having Joe Burrow throwing one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens. The Bengals don't get any of that. That, to me, is a little bit more concerning. I love how we have optimism because Joe Burrow's walking. That's, that's that's a level of concern. It's something. Right? There's no Anything Joe Burrow does in Cincinnati is optimism right now. I, I hear you. So having said that, how cautious would you be? If he's not 100% hypothetical coming into week one, he's 80%. What would you do? I, I look at the, the, the grand scheme of things. That this team wants the first round by. They want the number one overall seed. They are and feel here in Cincinnati they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. They are not a legitimate Super Bowl contender if Joe Burrow misses multiple time, multiple games this season. I, I don't think it would be the case, but if he's at 80%, I think they would hold him at least for one more week. Um, and for the Bengals, that's not great because the backup quarterback situation has not looked great during training camp. Um, but this is one of those things that Jamar Chase talked about uh, a little bit last week. He has told Joe Burrow to make sure you're 100%. It, it's, a, it's a mental side just as much as it is physical with the quarterback position. You've got to mentally know that you're able to take off. Joe Burrow uses his legs a ton. I think he's even undervalued a little bit as a runner. And uh, you're looking at week one against the pass rush and Miles Garrett on the road in Cleveland against a team they've already struggled with over the last couple of years. Joe Burrow needs to be, in my opinion, 100% to be out there. Host of Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530, Tony Pike joining us. And so, Tony, obviously Joe Burrow needs to be 100% before getting out there. He also maybe needs to be paid before getting out there, too. Is there any concern in Cincinnati over this contract situation? Like, we all expect Burrow to be the highest paid, and yet, for some reason, it hasn't happened yet. 
You know, that's the odd thing about this. And, and Joe Burrow and, and Joe Cool, how he plays it, he's not said a word about it. Uh, everyone has, has kind of quieted the, the noise and said something's going to get done. He's going to be paid. But it feels like the goal line has continued to move back on this. It was, okay, let's see the Jalen Hurts contract. And then that happened. And then, oh, let's see what Lamar Jackson gets paid. Lamar Jackson has been paid. Let's see what Justin Herbert is going to get paid. Every one of those dominoes has fallen. Fallen, and yet Logan Wilson got his contract extension. There's a lot of talk about T. Higgins needing his contract extension here in Cincinnati. I just feel like they're they're trying to find ways to get creative because they want to keep this core together. They don't want this to be, you know, they got one window for the Super Bowl. They want this to be a long, drawn out window. And like it's it's not gotten to a point where there's panic in Cincinnati. I think if, if people had their way, this would have been done before training camp. Uh, but I still think there's a lot of confidence here that a deal is done uh, with Joe Burrow, and, and it's a deal that in all likelihood is going to make him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. As a former NFL quarterback, you mentioned those wide receivers. What would it be like to throw to that that room, that that group of wideouts that Joe Burrow has there in Cincy? It, it helps so much because they check every box. Jamar Chase is this threat that he's going to beat the defense over the top, but if you also get him the ball on a five-yard slant route, he can take it 70 yards for you. They have Tyler Boyd, who is this NFL prototypical third-down, move-the-chains type of receiver. And then they got a quarterback's best friend in T. Higgins, who has this unbelievable catch radius, and you always know where he's going to be. So if you put the ball anywhere near his body, you have a good feeling that he's going to go up and get it. The, the wide receiver core is going to protect the quarterback. It is a quarterback's dream but when you see some of the throws that are made, it's also a wide receiver's dream because of the timing, the ball placement, the reads that he's able to make. And it's a very unselfish group. That, to me, from a quarterback standpoint, is the most exciting part. You don't have guys that are coming over the sidelines saying, hey, I need mine. Uh, these guys are happy when the team is winning. And, and winning does help that. If you're losing games and you're not getting the ball, you're, you're going to voice that. Winning certainly helps, but they check every box as a wide receiver core. Former NFL quarterback Tony Pike, host on ESPN 1530, joining Amber Wilson and Ian Fitzsimmons here on ESPNU and on ESPN Radio. So there's not questions for the Bengals at wide receiver. There's not questions for the Bengals at quarterback. Let's talk about where the questions are for the Bengals, Tony. That O-line has been a question for years now for Cincinnati. Last season, last offseason, they sort of took like a committee approach where they signed, you know, Collins and Kappa and Karras, and they did what they could there. This season, it's Orlando Brown Jr., you know, four years, $64 million. That's the upgrade that they tried to make. What does that line look like so far in training camp? That, that's one of the, the point you just made. That's one of the most unique changes since Zach Taylor has taken this job and, and Joe Burrow has been here the organizational shift in the way they've done things in the past. You know, you, you look years ago, they, they're not going to pay Orlando Brown that type of money. If you go back to last year, Lyle Collins was the huge splash in Cincinnati. And if the season started today, Lyle Collins would be a backup. He would be a rotational piece. This is by far the best offensive line Joe Burrow has had blocking for him. I think it's the best old offensive line that Joe Mixon has had in front of him as a runner. And they're, they're solid all the way across. Uh, Cordell Volson, a, a draft pick, a late-round draft pick last year, started, and he has taken huge strides forward. Alex Kappa and Ted Karras are as solid as you can get on the interior of that offensive line. 
Orlando Brown Jr. is going to anchor the left side. And uh, Jonah Williams, who made it very clear that if he wasn't going to play left tackle, he didn't want to be here in Cincinnati. That, that has changed. His, his tone has changed. And he's had one of the most impressive camps up front for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a solid line that doesn't have the noticeable weakness. And it does have depth when you talk about getting Alel Collins back. Deontay Smith, who's had a really good training camp, um, it is a uh, it is no longer a weakness and a glaring weakness that we have talked in Cincinnati for years of. They're good. How will they overcome the offensive line? This shouldn't be an offensive line that they need to find a way to overcome. Make that calf right with Burrow. That is scary news for the AFC North. And speaking of the North, Tony, it's maybe one of the toughest questions coming into the twenty three campaign. Who finishes last in that division? And it it is to me. It's the, the top division because if Kenny Pickett is going to take the, the strides this year that a lot of people are thinking he can take, that's a Pittsburgh team that has never had a losing record under Mike Tomlin, and they have all kinds of weapons. The Baltimore Ravens team that has reloaded. And I think Cleveland with Nick Chubb, if Deshaun Watson gets back to form, I think they're one of the bigger sleepers in the AFC. If I'm picking right now, and I know this is even crazy to say, I think it's Baltimore that, that ends up wow. at the bottom. They, they have, to me, the most questions wow. is, you know, what, what is Lamar Jackson going to return to now that he's paid, now that he's healthy? Can he take the next steps as a passer? It's just it's such a good division from top to bottom. I would have Baltimore as that team that I feel like I don't know the most about at this time. Tony Pike, you can hear him on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Tony, thanks so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you guys. Anytime. Thank you. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio. What is the toughest division in the NFL this season? We got it a little little wrong last season, if you'll recall. Everyone was saying last season it was the AFC West. It didn't turn out quite that way, right? The Raiders... And the Broncos didn't end up being as good as a lot of people suspected that the Raiders and the Broncos would be. But we're going to get it right this time, Ian. Going into this season, what is the toughest division in the NFL? You can always join the conversation. Give us a call. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons with you. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. For me, it's the AFC East. But for you, it's the AFC North. Ian had said earlier in the show, and if you miss anything here, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Ian had said earlier in the show, it's the AFC North for him. That's the toughest division. And that's one that I think a lot of people will end up going with here for the AFC North because of the Bengals, of course, still looking like a team that hasn't at all taken any sort of step back and maybe a step forward in front in terms of that O-line. We just had on Tony Park 
uh, Pike rather from ESPN Cincinnati. And he said that O-line looks like the best O-line that has been tasked with protecting Joe Burrow. Now, maybe that's not saying that much because that O-line here over the last few seasons hasn't exactly lived up to expectations. But the one thing that the Bengals have done, if they had tried to address that O-line over and over and over again, and maybe they got it right this time with Orlando Brown Jr. So if in fact Joe Burrow's healthy at the start of the season, or at least close to the start of the season there with that calf strain, and if he's actually protected this season for once, then the Bengals, of course, a team that could take a big step forward and not just be in a Super Bowl, but actually win a Super Bowl here. The Baltimore Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns, all teams that could end up being very good. The Steelers, the wild card for most people, but what was interesting when we had Tony Pike on earlier with us, Ian, is he said he thought the Ravens might be the team that takes the biggest step back and finishes last in that division. It's a very difficult thing to try and predict who who finishes in the basement of arguably the toughest division in all of football, uh, and that is the AFC North. And I, I'm not picking against Mike Tomlin. He's never had a losing season, uh, and I'm certainly, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to pick the Bengals. And I'm not. And look to me, I'm not picking the Ravens. The most unproven bunch, and the biggest question to me is still in Cleveland. And could they make a run? Yeah, I mean, if Deshaun Watson goes back to the guy we saw. You know, before the 700 days of, of missing football because of all the massages and, the, and, and all the stuff that happened off the field, if he goes back to MVP-type candidate that we saw in Houston, that's scary in Cleveland. So it's one of the hardest things to try and predict. I was a little – you and I were both surprised that, that you know Tony Pike went with Baltimore. If I right. had to pick one and I'm a betting man, which I am – I would go with Cleveland finishing in the basement, not the Ravens. I mean, somebody has to finish last, right, uh, in this division. Somebody has to do it. For me, it would be the Steelers or the Browns. I'm going Steelers there in that conversation. I thought Kenny Pickett looked decent there at the end of the season. So certainly, sure, he could take a step forward. But how big of a step forward in a, in a very tough division? The rest of that Steelers team, it's not knocking my socks off. Obviously, Mike Tomlin, an excellent coach. But he almost had a losing season last season. He he eked it out there at the end. I don't know if things will go quite the same for the Steelers this season. They would probably be my choice. I'll probably believe that Deshaun Watson will look less rusty this season. But the Browns, I could see being part of that conversation. I would not have thrown the Ravens in that conversation. But crazier things have happened. Triple H, say ESPN. That's how you chime into the conversation. That's where we find Billy. Billy's calling us from Ian's neck of the wood in Dallas. Hey, Billy, who's the toughest division? Well, I believe it's a toss-up between the North and the East because uh, you've got such good defenses in the East. And uh, and I think Miami can make a push, your Dolphins, if uh, they can keep Tua healthy. I think uh, them two divisions are the toughest in football. Thanks for the call, Billy. I agree with that caller. For me, I give the nod to the AFC East uh, over the AFC North. But only because I could see the Patriots being a little bit better than the Steelers. I could see the Patriots being that team that still isn't good enough to actually compete for anything. And so people are still going to be frustrated because obviously a very spoiled fan base over the last couple decades and high expectations whenever Bill Belichick is at the helm there. But I could see Bill O'Brien getting a little bit more out of Mac Jones and Mac looking a little bit more like (laughs) a little bit more like his rookie season, Mac. I think you're going to see more Mac Jones, Alabama than and the rookie that, that you saw than, than anything compared to last year. I mean, Bill O'Brien, to me, there, there's, there's two off-season acquisitions that aren't talked about enough, in my opinion, and it has nothing to do with a, with a free agent player. 
It's Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator, going to Miami. And it's Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator, going back to New England. Those, to me, are two of the biggest offseason acquisitions for any team in, in any division in the NFL. And they happen to be in the same division. So when you're trying to look at what is the most difficult division in pro ball, 27 days from kickoff, I think it is the AFC. You make a case for the AFC East, the AFC North, and... Are we ignoring a division in the NFC? We all know the AFC is so much deeper and so much more talented, and they are better. And there's only a handful of teams that we could see, you know, contending for a Super Bowl in the NFC. The Eagles, the Niners, maybe the Cowboys. They still have to win and show me that they can survive in advance in the playoffs when the stage is grandest, lights brightest, and that's when it matters. But are we ignoring a division in the NFC that had not one, not two, but three playoff teams last year, and that is the NFC East? Uh, yeah, I think we are, actually. I could see the NFC East being a lot better than people expect because I could see the New York Giants being better. Everybody seems to think the Giants are going to take this step back. They think Daniel Jones is going to regress. I just don't see why. I don't see why Daniel Jones is going to regress this season. He's got what I think is a very, very good coach. I don't think Daniel Jones is Patrick Mahomes, but I think Daniel Jones proved that he's a very capable quarterback to run that system, and there's a reason that he got the bag from the Giants. I don't see the Giants taking a big step back this season, frankly. I could see the Giants being better than people expect. I think the Dallas Cowboys, yes, it's the Cowboys. Yes, they end up being disappointing in the postseason time and again, but that's because of those lofty expectations for that team, at least on paper, that Dallas Cowboys team should be good, particularly if Dak can protect the football better, which is something that we have seen him do time and again in his career. And the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that was just in the Super Bowl that everybody still believes in moving forward. The Washington Commanders, I think, are the question mark. Now, I'm not high on the Commanders. A lot of people were actually high on the Commanders coming into last season. I don't have any reason to believe that the Commanders are going to be great this season. There's a lot of growing pains there for Washington. Sam Howell, right? But maybe Sam Howell. We saw him start one game last season. He looked okay. So maybe Sam Howell ends up being better than we expect. Yeah, he was a dark horse Heisman type candidate going into his last year at UNC. A bit mm-hmm. disappointing the final year at North Carolina. But to me, if Sam Howell is decent, this is a team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, anchored by Jonathan Allen. Chase Young comes back as well as an edge rusher. That they may be a little bit better than most people think. I, I would not be surprised if they're around a 500 football team. And if they are a 500 football team, that means the NFC East. It deserves a little bit more credit coming into the 23 campaign. The Chase Youngs of the world that did have those high expectations and obviously that defense disappointed last season. It's sort of, it's like a contract year for those guys, right? Because there will be changes from top to bottom in Washington under this new ownership if things don't go well. Yes. So those guys, they have to come back. They have to prove themselves. There's a lot of motivation there for the commanders this season. Coming up next, which first year starter are you most excited to see in the preseason? This is ESPN Radio. More next.